good to see you tonight. God is good. And all the time. That's his nature. Amen. Luke chapter 10 tonight. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. In verse 19. Verse 18. Verse 17. No, we'll go 17. Then the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. Now it's not talking about snakes. It's talking about demons. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on demons and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. He said, behold, I give you the authority. And what this word authority means uh, in the Greek is delegated power. Now, what's interesting about this is that Jesus gave this delegated power to people who were not born again. But needed to accomplish things while he was on the earth at that time. How much more? <laughs> so he says over all the power of the enemy. Matthew chapter 28. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Say all. 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 So This is after his resurrection. He came back. He appeared to the disciples. And this was uh, his words to them. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Now, why was this important? Because at the beginning of time, when God created man, Adam, and gave him, blessed him, gave him dominion, gave him authority to subdue the earth. And Adam sinned and turned that authority over to Satan. Brother Jerry always says, Adam committed high treason against God. He gave his authority away, his delegated power that God had given him. And so here Jesus had come back, died for our sins, broke the chain, broke the curse, and told his disciples, now all authority has been given to me now in heaven and earth. And then here's what he says, go therefore. So he's now delegating all authority or delegating this power and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father, son, and the Holy spirit. Mark chapter 16, Mark chapter 16, verse 15. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. Any believers here tonight? 
these signs, so it's, this is talking about you. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's talking about you. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, whose name are we talking about? Jesus. They will cast out demons, believers. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. Here it is again, this word serpents talking about demons. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So here Jesus is saying again, in my name, you'll do these things. Cast out demons. But I venture to say that a lot of Christians, if we were to take a poll, have never experienced that as a believer. But that doesn't mean that you don't have the power to do so. You have the power over all the enemy. Now, we can't deny the fact Jesus said it uh, in Acts chapter, well, it, it was said about him in Acts chapter 10, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. So we can't ignore the fact that the devil, our enemy, Satan, has power, but not over the believer. But he does have power. Now, how he tries to exercise his power is through deception, uh, trickery, and we'll get into some of this tonight. Now, over the unbeliever, that's why Jesus came back to... Break the chains of the what? Power of the enemy. And when Jesus walked this earth, he came to just, first John says that he came to destroy the works of the devil. So for us to ignore that we have an enemy is bad doctrine. Now, on the other side, we can't say that the devil is the cause for everything because uh, we, as even as believers, and ones that have been given authority by Jesus Christ have a choice to make. It says choose life or choose death. So everything's about a choice. We choose what to believe. We choose what not to believe. And so there's a middle ground here where we have to understand there is an enemy. His motive is hate. And it is to still kill and destroy your life. He's not a respecter of persons. And he wants to still kill and destroy everyone and take everyone with him into eternal lake of fire where he's going to end up. That's a fact. But he's not the cause of every bad thing in our life. Sometimes we make bad choices. However, God's mercy, grace, and compassion can deliver you out of all your troubles. Whether you cause them, whether Satan caused them, whether someone else caused them by a bad choice or by used by Satan, these are all factors that we're dealing with. But we've been given power over the power of the enemy. 
I, uh, when I was a teenager, had a car and my dad, it was, it was just kind of a starter car. And, and I, I found this sports car. And so I've talked to dad about it and, and we ended up buying the sports car. It was a Datsun 280Z <laughs> turbo. Now as a senior in high school, now this thing was, I don't know why you would paint as a car dealer, why you would paint something uh, copper and brown. To me, that's not an attractive color. Maybe some of you might like that color in a car. But uh, so anyway, I talked to dad and, and I talked him into to painting this Datsun 280Z turbo candy apple red. <laughs> now we found someone that could paint it for a thousand dollars. So we paid a couple thousand dollars for this car and painted it, you know, candy apple red. So we had three thousand dollars in this car. Well, this car had some power. And in fact, one, one day I got on the interstate and I thought, you know, I'm going to test this power out a little bit. And seeing that most of the teenagers are out <clears throat> in the other building, I can tell the story. <laughs> but I, you know, I got on it a little bit on the interstate. Well, it had an airflow vent on the front of the hood and I don't know how fast I was going, but this airflow vent popped up like this. And I thought, oh, no, I broke it. I broke this thing because, you know. So anyway, I got home and I'm feeling bad now. Like I did something wrong. Well, I did. I was going really fast, you know. So I said to my dad, I said, Dad, I got to tell you something. Um, I don't know what I did, but that vent on the front of the car popped up and then, then, then it went back down. He goes, well, son, the reason why that vent pops up like that is because it needs more airflow because you're going so fast. I said, Oh, <laughs> so I was busted, but this car had some power. If you've ever been in a car that has some power and you get behind that in this car that has this power and you can feel the power. Now you're the person that uh, controls the power. So you're the person that uh, determines how much power that you use or how much power that you flow in. But you have the power at your fingertips, so to speak. So as a believer, we're not weak. We're not uh, underneath anything. In fact, because of what Jesus did, the devil's under our feet. Because he's been given the name that's above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And so we're not coming from a place where we're trying to get victory. We're coming from a place from his victory that he's already won. He's already won. 
But we got to stay in and fight. It doesn't mean that our enemy is not fighting because he is fighting or else Timothy wouldn't say, Paul wouldn't tell Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. So we can't think that we're just going to cruise through life. You know, oh, you get saved and everything. Oh, it's just, you know, tiptoe through the tulips because he doesn't want you. Here's his ultimate goal for your life. Still kill and destroy, but to make your spirit man inoperable. His goal for you is to make your spirit man inoperable or ineffective. Because if he can make you inoperable or ineffective, then he can do whatever he wants. And so that car needed a computer chip or something. And it would break down on me. This car would break down on me. And so then I would have to push it places. And I remember I had a baseball game. And I'm at the light. They're on the field starting to warm up. And I am pushing, I'm pushing my car up to the baseball field. The car had now become inoperable. Because there were some things in the car that needed adjustment. There were some adjustments that needed to be made in this car so that it could be powerful again. Are you getting it? So Ephesians chapter six. Verse 10 says, finally, brother, be strong in the Lord and and in the what? All right. Say it like you have some in the what? The power of his might. So it's his power working in us. Do you understand? That's not just, it's not in your power and your strength. It's his power working in us. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles. Or another uh, word for this are the schemes of the devil. So we have to understand that uh, the Amplified says this way, put on the full armor of God for his precepts are like splendid armor of a heavily armed soldier so that you may be able to successfully stand against the schemes strategies and deceits of the devil. So this is how he operates. Now, I've heard people say, oh, 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 we just need to focus on God and we don't, you know, not, not putting, not worry about what's going on around here. All right. Well, tell me how that works out for you when some, when the enemy's coming at you. That is not good doctrine. We have to understand how the enemy works. We have to understand his strategies. We have to understand his schemes. Now we're not going to glorify the enemy. So we're not going to do that either, but we have to understand how he operates his schemes. When I played sports, guess what? We practiced on what we did. We would work at what we did. You know, we would practice and practice and work and work 
at our game and what our strategy was offensively to win. But defensively, we had to understand who our opponent was, what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses. And so we would go into the competition having studied the the competition. And we would, I remember in college, we would watch film, game film. And I remember this one uh, school that we played that was a, you know, a, a, a rival school. Well, they had this player named Nathan Unruh. And Nathan Unruh was a sharpshooter. I mean, this kid could shoot. He was about six foot five. He was quick on his feet. He could come off, he could come off screens and, and picks and come right around and just stop on a dime, pull up and, and shoot the three. This, this kid could shoot. He was good. Outside of him, he would score about half their points most games. Outside of him, there wasn't a lot that they had. So when we were studying game film, we would say, well, it's glaringly obvious that we need to shut this kid down. And so what we did was we put a man on him at all times that would face front him wherever he went. And you would, we, in, in basketball terms, we call it help side. So if the ball's on the other side of the court, you have to be in the lane. Your man's way over there. No, wherever he's at, you're in his face. He doesn't get the ball. You deny him the ball. Well, they would send him off picks. They would just run him around and pick for him. And so our guy would get caught up in a pick and then he would get the ball and score. So guess what we did at halftime? We made adjustments. And so when we made adjustments, we said, okay, so here's what we're going to do. When they set a pick and Nathan comes off this pick, we're going to switch. So if our guy gets caught in the pick, then this guy's now going to face front him. And guess what? We shut him down. Because that was part of their offensive weapon. Well, Satan's offensive weapons are to deceive. One of his weapons is to bring intimidation or which, and, and also fear. Why is intimidation important for Satan? Because when you are intimidated for, about something and you get into fear, then it makes your faith inoperable. And so you can't be effective. How we win in the spirit realm is by our spirit man because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We just read it. Did we get to that part? Verse 12. For we wrestle not, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rules over the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So I have to understand that When it comes to the spirit realm, there are forces of darkness and forces of light. God is good. God is light. Satan is bad. Satan is darkness. And so these forces are working against each other constantly. And so when I come across a person that is coming against me, That is bringing fear and intimidation. My fight is not against them because they're human. They are flesh and blood. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So these forces are trying to uh, cause humans to accomplish what they want. Are you here? See, we can't be ignorant. It says that in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, in the Amplified, it says, To keep Satan from getting the advantage over us, for we are not ignorant of his wiles and intentions. In other words, wiles is in other words for schemes. So it tells us we can't be ignorant of how he operates. And again, we're not magnifying him. We're not giving glory to him. We're identifying his trickery. This word schemes in in the Greek, when you study this out, here's what what the word schemes means. It is a predictable method. That's good news for you and I. It is a predictable method used in organized evil doing. A scheme that this is talking about, that to stand against the wiles of the devil or the schemes of the devil, it is to to stand against this predictable method used in organized evil. Because there's ranks in the devil's kingdom. So this is well-crafted trickery and deceit. So how can we say he's predictable? Because since the beginning of time, he's still doing the same thing today that he did in Genesis chapter three. Let's go to Genesis chapter three. Why are y'all staring at me like this is... Genesis chapter three says the serpent again. What did Jesus say that we have to trample on what serpents? Now the serpent speaking of Satan was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. He's still using this trickery today. Did God say, did God say, did God say, yeah, but did he really, is that what he really meant? So when it says, when God says by Jesus stripes, we were healed. Did God say, well, did, did he really mean like we're healed? Or did, was it just for that time? Did God say? And so if he can get me to question what God said, I don't know. I, you know, maybe God didn't really mean that. Uh, And so 
all he's got to do is cause me to question it. So that what? So I back off on the power. I get off the gas just a little bit. Cause I got Cause I got to consider this cause I can't be going full head, full force. I mean, can I really believe by his stripes? I am healed. Well, if I fully believe that, then I'm going to do what healed people do. Heal people get up out of bed. Heal people go to work. Heal people say they're healed. Healed people. Healed people are joyful. Healed people are. I don't need the attention from other people because I'm healed. So if I can, if he can get me to question what God said. And so that is part of his trickery. That is part of his schemes and strategies. He walks about like a what? Roaring lion. Why is that important for us? Because one of the other ways that he uses is through fear and intimidation. A roaring lion, if you got in front of a roaring lion, and that lion, even if there's a fence separating you from the lion, and that lion let out a roar, don't you think that that'd be a little intimidating? Well, that's how he walks about to the untrained person who doesn't have the knowledge. They don't understand that. Pardon the grammar. He ain't got no teeth. <laughs> so when the lion roars, you can be like, <laughs> where are your teeth at? Because he ain't got no teeth. Seeking whom he may devour. The one that he's going to devour will be the one when the lion roars that gets intimidated by the lion. And so that the lion can overtake them. So they back off the power. Because we've been given the power over this roaring lion. Come on, y'all. We've been given the power over the roaring lion. So this, this is how we wage a successful war spiritually. Nikki and I, when we lived in Michigan, would, would every Tuesday go into the local high school, public school, and we would have fellowship of Christian students. It wasn't Fellowship of Christian Athletes. They had changed it. The Baptist guy turned it over to us when he left, which was really cool. And uh, so what happened was at lunchtime, the kids can make a choice to grab their food, come to the classroom that was hosted by a teacher, and then we would give a Bible lesson. Well, the fifth and sixth grade, we did three of these every Tuesday, fifth and sixth, seventh and eighth in high school. The fifth and sixth grade was interesting because we're dealing with all kinds of beliefs, uh, uh, doctrinal teachings in Sunday school, you know, and all this. And so I remember this one time, this girl uh, was just really having some problems and, and hey, what's wrong, honey? And we get a lot of kids in here. 
I mean, there'd be 60 to 100 kids coming here. Imagine these fifth and sixth grades. What's wrong, honey? When I sleep at night, I see monsters. Aw. Do they scare you? Yes. And I see them almost every night. Well, honey, when you see them tonight, you say, Jesus. You say, in Jesus' name, get out of here. Because Jesus... In Jesus' name, Jesus gave, his, gave us the authority to use his name. And in his name, there's power over these monsters. What was she seeing? She was seeing demonic forces. Now, I know that that sounds so simple and elementary. But this little girl went home. Remember this? And she did what we told her. Now, I don't know what her parents were into. That was the most frustrating thing to me about a, as being a youth pastor. Is that we would teach our kids, you know, the word, faith, how to believe. What's right, what's wrong. Do you know that a lot of people don't even know what's right and wrong anymore? And then they would go home and their parents, it's like we raise the flag, raise the flag. Their parents would lower the flag, lower the flag. Then the next Wednesday we'd raise the flag, raise the flag. Parents would lower the flag, lower the flag. By what they allowed them to do that we were telling them, this isn't, this isn't right for you to do this. You don't want to get into this. Why? Because there's the kingdom of darkness and there's the kingdom of light. What this activity is, is in the kingdom of darkness. So God wouldn't have you do this. So, but, but yet the parents provided that opportunity for them. That, that was frustrating. If you feel like your hands are tied, you know. And so you see, listen, this isn't condemnation. I'm teaching. I'm just teaching. So you see, uh, the children take on the traits of where their parents would lower the flag. And then each successive generation would get worse and worse. But it stops with us. Amen. Amen. So we're, we're heading into a, a, a time where the glory of God is manifested. And so some of these things are going to be God as a car mechanic going in, lifting up the hood and getting in there, changing the oil, getting in there, checking the air filter, getting in there and doing other stuff (laughs) that I pay people to do. (laughs) Cause I don't know anything about cars. Oh, I wish I could relate to Brother Jerry on that, but I can't. And so that's what we're in this season where God, where, where God is, 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 is changing the hearts of men. And so some of these things that are 
in the realm of darkness? Did God say? Because it's distinct, but light and dark are distinct. Two opposite forces. And so if we get into, did God say, then we can open ourselves up to these little things, these little things. And then, and then, then it's okay to do this. And then it's okay to do this. And then it's okay to go over here, a little sip, a little puff, a little whatever. Lawlessness produces more lawlessness. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. And so then what that does is our heart begins to get harder and harder. And if you were here Monday night, um, Pastor Carla talked about repentance. And the reason why it's important to repent is because sin causes a person to have a hardened heart. So then... What happens to the word of God that will produce fruit of God in a, in a Christian's life, that seed goes on to hard ground, Mark chapter 4. That's what that's talking about. So when I allow God to open the hood of my car, and man, it may be really ugly and, and dusty and dirty, and if you hadn't had... You know, if you hadn't had your car detailed where they detail the engine and everything in a while, and you open the hood of that car, it's a, it's, it can be messy. One of the tactics of the enemy is pride. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Pride's very sneaky. Because pride says, well, I already know the word. I know the word. And so, you know, I'm, I can go around. I can confess the word to people. You know, I can show them that I have this form of power in my life because I, because I have knowledge. But the Bible says that, that knowledge in and of itself puffs up. And so if I've just got knowledge, but I don't have the revelation of, of how that knowledge can, can change and work in my life and, and, and make me more like Jesus, then I only have the knowledge and the knowledge can puff up. And so then I'm not saying anybody's like this. I'm just giving a for example. Should we take a break? Okay, so I come to church now. How are you doing, brother? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. Oh, everything's I'm too blessed to be depressed. Everything's good in my life. But yet, what's under the hood would show something completely different. So if I can't come to church... And be real. Where are you going to be real? When the power of God and the anointing of God. Yes, you can experience it at home by yourself. But sometimes you can't fix what's under the hood yourself. 
Sometimes you need a mechanic. And so pastor comes in with the word. There's anointing there. There's power there. The spirit of God's there. And he's saying, hey, come to the altar and let me help you with what's under the hood. Because sometimes you need help. But pride doesn't want you to get help because pride says, I've got everything together. I got to, I got to keep this image. I've got to, I've got to portray this image that I'm, you know, this, this person, because I might even be in a a position in the church. And so what that does is it hurts our own life. It's sneaky. But God wants us to, you know, experience his best, his very best. It's okay that he makes some adjustments. It doesn't mean that we're not spiritual. It doesn't mean that we don't love him. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means there's some adjustments that he, and sometimes it, it, it doesn't even feel good. It's uncomfortable. But God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So if I can come to God and say, God, not in some false humility, nothing like that, but in sincerity of heart. Lord, I need you. I I need you. You know, I, I need you to get under the hood here, you know, because if there's some things that need to be fixed, it's going to affect your power. So back to Ephesians chapter six. Are y'all okay? Are we getting this? Back to Ephesians chapter six. It says that. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. It says that we're to take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand. And then it gives us weapons of how we can fight the spiritual battle. It says, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with preparation of gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now in this, there are offensive weapons and there are defensive weapons. Defensive weapons are the helmet of salvation. Hey, if I can understand that salvation is a huge deal, That Jesus Christ came in on the inside of me and he made my dead spirit alive and he's made me to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And if I can understand the place that I stand with him, that I'm seated with him in the heavenly places, that I am the righteousness of God. I've been given right standing with him, which means that I can boldly go to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and to get help in times of need. See, if I understand that I, in my humility, I say, Lord, I need help. 
Because I understand who I am. I understand whose I am. Because I understand who I am. Then I walk according to who I am. And who he's making me to be. So the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. You know, this is, this is something that, 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 that guards our heart, you know, of, of how we think on the inside. And this breastplate of righteousness can deflect the hurts and, and the pains that can be caused by forces of evil or other human beings that are hurt. Hurt people hurt people. And it's not personal with me or you. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers. So what I have to understand is that this person is not my problem. And bind the spiritual forces that are working behind this person. Your loins girded with truth. What's truth? The word. What's the word say? The word can be a defense in your life so that you, you're not ignorant of, of what Satan's devices are and you understand God's ways. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and the shield of faith. The Bible says with able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, our offensive weapons... Are the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So what did Jesus do when, when Satan came at him? Is he did what? He spoke the word. So that is an offensive weapon as well. We have to understand we can't speak the word until we get the knowledge of the word. Once we get the knowledge of the word, then we're able to use it offensively in every situation. The name of Jesus is an offensive weapon. He gave us authority to use his name at his name. Every demon in hell has to go. So if I encounter a demonic force and someone that is willing to give that to that wants to be free from that. If you remember, Dr. Savell tells a story about this, this woman that had interrupted their service and she's, She's, you know, right in the middle of Brother Copeland speaking. I see you, Jesus. I knew you would come today. You know, Satan will never give glory to God. He, will, he always wants to take the glory for himself. And so if it's drawing attention to. And so Brother Copeland says. Jerry, take care of it. So he's taking this lady and she's flailing with her arms and all this back in the, and he takes her to this, what he could find in a coat hanger room, takes her in there. And, and I mean, if you ever heard him tell the story, it's, he makes it hilarious. But the bottom line is, is that woman came out of that, use the name. The Lord said, use the name. What's the name? What name? What name? Jerry, Kenneth, brother Eric, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, be free in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
And so that is a weapon. That is an offensive weapon against the forces of the enemy. Faith itself, having faith, have faith in God, using your faith itself is a weapon. This is a victory that overcomes the world. Our faith in itself is is an offensive weapon. Praying in the spirit. When, we, when I went to Seattle several weeks ago, I encountered someone that was uh, under the influence of demonic forces, and I began to pray in the Spirit. Do you know that that person goes, why are you doing that? What was that? That's the Spirit behind the person that didn't like me praying in the Spirit. And you know what they said? Why are you doing that? I'm not possessed. Well, demons don't tell the truth. (laughs) So we pray in the spirit. What does that do? It edifies us. It builds us up so that we can get in tune our spirit man to God's spirit man. Because remember, Satan's Method of operation is to make our spirit man ineffective and inoperable. So the ugliness of the situation, when, when Jesus was at the, where the man said, you know, was it the one where the disciples couldn't cast the, the demon out? The man, what, and this, this kid throws himself on the, on the ground. He's foaming at the mouth. He's, you know, making these ugly contorted you know, things, it's ugly. And you know what Jesus said? How long has he been in this condition? So the ugliness of the situation did not intimidate him. It did not bring fear to him. How long has this been going on? Why? Because he knew who he was. He knew who he had power over the enemy. And therefore you know, cast the devil out of that. When we went to Africa in, um, uh, last, it was 19, what was it? November, uh, November 18, uh, right after the first of December in 2018, young people, we, we ministered to hundreds of young people and we gave an altar call to be filled with the Holy spirit. Tons of young people came down tons. I mean, just in, in droves. And well, <clears throat> we begin to lay hands on them. And, uh, you know, the first thing is that you must be born again. Make sure they're born again. And then secondly is, you know, Jesus baptized them in the Holy Ghost. And so we begin to lay, lay hands on them. And this one girl, I don't know if you remember, but this one girl, I mean, this demonic force took over in her and her, her, the back of her head touched her backside. That's I can't even, maybe some of y'all were good with, uh, the limbo. How low can you go? Is that the name of it? How low can you go? But when you see something like that, <laughs> you better be in the spirit. <laughs> And so we took them out and we, and we got them set free by using the name of Jesus, uh, exercising our 
given authority or power over this? Because we've been given the power over the enemy. And so the reason this is important for us as believers is because we are the last day's army of God. We can't be inoperable. We can't show up to battle without our armor and without any weapons and think that we're going to be effective. We have to be fully equipped and ready for battle. We are called to battle and we're destined to win. (laughs) We're going to win. So it's important for us to prepare. There's always a preparation for battle. So the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. This is not good strategy. What I'm about to tell you, this is not good strategy. I can't see you, so you can't see me. If I don't know you're there, this one's going to hurt. This next one's going to hurt a little bit. Where is it? Ignorant. When it says, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices, this word ignorant Hold on. Hold on to your chair. It has the idea sometimes of being willfully not knowing. So what you don't know won't hurt you. But we are equipping you, the body, God's army, to be effective in this last day's fight. Second Timothy tells us that the last days that men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure, haughty, headstrong, all these kinds of things. And we've seen it, haven't we? Have you, did you ever think that you would see some of the things that you saw in your lifetime? And yet, one weapon that we have offensively is love because love can overcome anything. And Jesus, the Bible says that he, if you, if you, if you want to know, I'm almost done. If you want to know how to increase your power, Walking in love will increase power in your life. Hey, let me tell you, if there's ever been a time where love is being tested, it's today. I said this, and I don't know if this just came out of my spirit a couple weeks ago, but walking in love in today's world is a sign and a wonder. People are angry, they're mad, they're, you know, they're undergoing hardships. But if I can still 
get through all of this anger and hurt and bitterness and love them. Jesus was, it says that he was moved with compassion. So love caused action in his life. Love caused actions. I'm not going to love if I don't spend time with the one who is love. But love caused action in his life. And there were miracles because of that. It says that he had compassion and on the 5,000. I have compassion on them. They're hungry. He was moved with compassion and he fed 5,000. It says that he had compassion on this blind man. Have mercy on me, son of David. And that produced a miracle. What? Jesus loved him. You know, it said about the rich young ruler that Jesus looked on him and loved him. By a look. A look, a touch. The, the, he says, are, you know, I know that you're able, but are you willing? Jesus was moved with compassion. He's willing. So if we understand this, if we understand who we are, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit, my feet now, everywhere the sole of my feet tread, with the peace of the gospel. That Jesus is coming back and Jesus loves you. Look, he loves you. Loves you. And he wants to get through the junk, the facades. Get under the hood. You know, most of the time when we go to mechanic... They say, what's bothering you? What's happening? And you have a confessional right there. You tell them. You don't just say, oh, everything's great. No, everything's fine. It's running great. Then then why are you at the mechanic? Like the mechanic's there to help. The mechanic is here to help tonight. Would you stand? Father, we thank you for this word tonight. I want to invite you right now to allow God to open this hood. You know, when I go get my car checked, I got to, they say, hey, I need you to, I need you to do it. They don't get in the car and do it for me. There's a, there's always a, a lever that you have to pull to get the hood to come up from being unlatched, from being latched and so that they can get in. So father, right now, Lord, we open the, the hood of our car, so to speak. And Lord, we give you access.
Lord, we're not going to be ignorant of Satan's devices. So show us, Lord, in what areas that we've backed off the power because we yielded to things that weren't in you. And we thank you for we give these things to you. We give them to you. Lord, I give you every hurt in my life. Lord, all the things that Lord, all the things I've carried. I thank you, Father. And let your sweet presence. Thank you, Jesus.